Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Big night for Mississippi State Athletics last night. We're going to recap all that. We're going to look ahead to tonight's ball game against Southeastern Louisiana. It's your uh, number 12 Mississippi State Bulldogs. And I guess it depends on what poll you go with. I usually go with D1 baseball because I've got a lot of respect for you know, Mark Etheridge and Aaron Fitt and Kendall Rogers, those are the guys that I have kind of learned to trust in this industry. And they actually go out and cover ball games and they go see teams. And so that they've got us ranked number 12. I mean, Baseball America has state number nine. I do believe with a good showing this weekend, Mississippi State will be a consensus top 10 team. Got to go out there and win some ball games. It's going to be some cold weather if you're headed to the Frisco Classic. And I will be there. So we'll have full coverage there. You never know You never know when, when they, an extra Boneyard episode may just pop up. So want to thank our fine sponsors for making this all possible. Campus Bookmart, 
a Stark Villigan institution. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. Love going in there. Love interacting with those folks. They're always excited to see you. You always walk in. They give you a smile on their face. It's it's one of those places that uh, if you've ever been a student at Mississippi State, you are familiar with Campus Bookmart. They've even got free parking. You know, back in the back there, some of you students use, utilize that. Some of you commuters, you know what I'm talking about. It's because they care about you. So I want you to care about them and go spend your Mississippi State dollars with Campus Bookmart. They will help you outfit your wardrobe and your family and your home in the latest maroon and white fashions and maroon and white novelty items. You can peruse their fine selections by going into the store and seeing Stan and Man and Miss Kathy up close, or you can go to campusbookmart.net. And if you utilize the online shopping tool, we will give you a promo code, which is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And you can save shipping on all orders over $50. Again, that's BSR at campusbookmart.net. So let's go ahead and get into it. The uh, big story of the evening was Mississippi State men's basketball beating Missouri. Really, really big moment. Even though we expected that ball game to go the way of Mississippi State, Missouri has really struggled this year. They're now 12-15 and 15 overall and 3-12 and 12 within the league. This is one State had to have. State wins the ball game now 21-7, 9-6 in the SEC, guaranteed to have no worse than a 500 record in conference. That's big. That's really big for Mississippi State. Uh, ben Howen told us over the weekend that he thought nine wins would kind of punch the ticket. Now, State's still got some winnable games on the schedule. We're on the road at Auburn. Uh, Auburn is kind of a heckle and jekyll team. And State's got a lot of momentum going in. Tyson Carter has uh, has kind of reemerged as, uh, as a real leader on this team in Nick Letterspoon's absence. And quite frankly, Tyson's doing some things I never expected him to do. I mean, honestly, I, I always thought he would be a decent outside shooter. But uh, he is kind of fearless getting to the rack now. And uh, he really brings some energy to this team, really happy with his production. I know, I know you guys are as well. Uh, Tyson pitches in 22 points last night to lead all scorers in the ballgame. 22. Key Waterspoon hands out 20, and that's one of those things, too, we talked about. You know, we were getting so much value out of Q, but we needed that complimentary scorer. We weren't getting it for a while. Now you're getting that with Tyson Carter, and now the Bulldogs are beginning to surge down the stretch. Lamar Peters scoreless last night. 0-4 from the field. Hands out five assists, a couple turnovers, but six steals. And uh, Lamar Peters on Twitter last night, almost giddy uh, with the team's performance and the fact that they're headed to the NCAA tournament. And while that's not official, we certainly believe that to be the case now. I believe State has really solidified their positioning there. But uh, there have been some times at Mississippi State where we, we lose games we should not have. And there was a time last night when uh, State had the big lead and then Missouri comes back. It was kind of reminiscent of that, that George game where State appears to have the game in hand, and all of a sudden they begin to um, to kind of work their way back into it. Uh, but the second half, really all Mississippi State, State comes out, kind of takes a defining you know run there to kind of get things going, and the next thing you know, uh, it's it's a matter of, of academics. It's a matter of Mississippi State just kind of you finding out what the final score is going to be rather than uh, – Rather than one of those deals where there was any anxiety or trepidation or you had to run some uh, some big plays down the stretch to win the game, it was just a matter of what the margin of victory was going to be. Uh, Reggie Perry did not have a superstar-type performance, but you know what? He didn't have to. But if we're going to get 15 points, you get double-digit scoring out of him, nearly a double-double again, <laughs> 15 points, nine rebounds. If we're going to get that from him when you've got Q and Tyson going for 20 apiece, we're going to win a lot of, a lot of basketball games. 
but that's pretty much what your scoring was. Robert Woodard pitches in nine. You know, and, and again, we go back to that, you know, early in the SEC schedule, a lot of people were kind of questioning, why was Robert Woodard not playing more? As good as Tyson Carter has been during this one, Robert Woodard has been even better. And that's not a slide on Tyson. It just goes to show you that Robert Woodard is really beginning to come into his own. Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard, they are the future of this program. There's no question. They are the future of this program. And we're watching them kind of grow up in front of our eyes. And it seems like I can count on Robert Woodard to have that one big, emphatic, nasty, down-home, southern, funkadelic block shot every single ball game. And that's what you get. And that those are emotional-type plays that elevate the team and elevate the crowd. Uh, it also demoralizes your opponent. Uh, we've seen both ends of that deal. But Robert Woodard, a key part of things, you know, nine, nine points last night, pulls down four rebounds, but he's another energy guy. And he's a, he's a really a matchup guy, too, because he's a guy that can get down there and bang in the paint, but he also, too, he's got a good mid-range game, and you're really beginning to see him grow up and gain some confidence. 26 minutes of action. And so, it, as good, again, as good as Tyson has been, Robert's development and Reggie Perry's development have kind of carried this team. And right now, Mississippi State is playing the best basketball of the season. State is peaking at the right time. We'll see what happens when we go to Tennessee. But you go to Auburn this weekend, then you've got the Tennessee game, and you've got Texas A&M right back here for senior night, which will be big. That's a ball game that I expect to win. But if, if we're being – let's take our maroon and white glasses off here for a second. It's tough to go on the road and win in this league. It really is. But Auburn has been so up and down – they have been. I think we have a real opportunity to go down there and win that basketball game. I think everybody realizes that uh, if we play up to our potential, we've got a chance to go win that game. Early on in the year, I was expecting us to split with Auburn. Auburn now 7-7 seven and seven in the league and 18-9 and nine overall. They're still kind of battling for their NCAA tournament lives. Still an opportunity for them to get in. But all that being said, they're going to come out and give us our best shot on, on Saturday. It's not going to be a ball game that uh, they're just going to take lightly because, like everybody else, the schedule is running out on them. They're running out of opportunities to improve their their, their, pre, their postseason resume. As it stands right now, your Bulldogs right there, 9-6, and six, locked in with South Carolina. Ole Miss is 9-5. Uh, and five. They will play uh, tonight, I guess is correct. And, uh, and so there could be, you know, a log jam right there together. There is the possibility for State to move into fourth in the SEC bracket, which would be huge. Again, I think State is in, but I think you finish in the top four or five in this league. But but getting to that number four spot is big because of the fact the bracketing and the conference tournament is so much easier to deal with. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there that are still jockeying for position. There's, because there's going to be a lot of ebb and flow with this whole deal. And so if you can find a way to get there, to get the double-digit wins, you not only have you solidified your position, I think, in the, in the, in the tournament field, you have uh, helped your seeding in the SEC tournament, and uh, if State can go up there and win a game, I, you know, unless State wins the whole thing, I don't, I don't know how much it helps you. But uh, when there are people out there kind of in, with the same resume as you, any win you can get in a postseason only helps your standing with that NCAA tournament committee. And so, uh, big, big win against a team we should have won big against. It's big not because of the opponent, but it's big because of what it does for your for your record. It's big for what it does for you and for your program. Uh, a lot of people complain about attendance. Again, I, I'm not I'm not one of those guys because I I understand some of it. But uh, you know, for those of you 
that uh, maybe have been reluctant to come. We, we really need you to be here for that Texas A&M ball game. Okay, you've got plenty of time to plan. Okay, Quindary Weatherspoon picked Mississippi State when there, a lot, when there weren't a lot of good reasons to pick Mississippi State. But he comes here. Eric Holman comes here. And they wanted to begin to kind of build a program and kind of turn this thing around for you guys. And now they've done that. And so the last opportunity that we're going to have to see Quindary Witherspoon and Eric Coleman and these seniors, the last chance we're going to have to see them in Humphrey Coliseum is going to be that A&M game. So I'm going to ask of you and beg of you to please make a decision and a commitment to be here to be a part of that. Those players deserve it. And uh, it would be a nice send-off on behalf of the Mississippi State family for their final game here for them to have a capacity crowd. So please, on behalf of everybody that loves Mississippi State, please make plans to be here. Please, whatever, you got plenty of time to plan. I'm not asking you to show up here tomorrow. you got about 10 days to figure it out. Locate some tickets. Make some arrangements. Get off work if you need to. Find a ride. Get a gas card, whatever. But we need to have a capacity crowd for senior night. These players deserve it. They, ab- they absolutely deserve it. And then uh, we'll, we'll find out where they're going, and we'll have full coverage of uh, the NCAA men's tournament. And uh, hopefully they don't go too far out west that uh, makes it such a burden and we can't make the trip. But uh, we're going to do our best uh, to, to be able to cover everything. There's a lot that's going to be going on. We'll have baseball. We'll have uh, spring football. We've got, uh, you know, men's tournament, women's tournament. There's a lot of things to be excited about, a lot of a lot of uh, competition for your entertainment dollar, and most of it of the maroon and white variety. So please be willing to make that commitment and come be a part of that. Mississippi State Baseball went to work last night, and um, I guess before I get into that, let's talk about Bulldog Burger for a minute. Bulldog Burger Company, been with us a long time, and uh, synonymous with the show. Very, very happy to have them uh, as a sponsor. I'll, I'll tell you, Bulldog Burger Company is uh, the Robertson family restaurant of choice. Whenever the wife says, hey, let's just go out and eat, or uh, it's just too late to cook or whatever, Bulldog Burger is always there for us. There's so many, so, so many great options that we know the kids will eat. There's always some, health, some healthy options if you're being a little bit weight conscious or healthy health conscious. You know, you can have the Kale State salad. You can have a hamburger on no bun, a wheat bun, a gluten-free bun, everything. But sometimes in life, you just have to sit down and enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You're going to be able to do that at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, so many great options to choose from. The Pimentology Add Bacon, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the Boneyard Classic there. That, that's, that's the one. That's the one I never expected to enjoy. Uh, but, but I do. I absolutely love it. And so when you're in town, we encourage you to go by. Find your own favorites. And if you want to go by in the evening, maybe after a ball game, you can go by and have an adult beverage. You can do that, too. It's a great atmosphere, great service, great food. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet. So Mississippi State Baseball uh, now doing exceptionally well. And uh, we did not expect a lot of anxiety against Jackson State. But to Jackson State's credit, uh, they did not just lay down for State. They, they absolutely did not. They came out and, then, you know, listen, State jumped the bottom 5 nothing, And then the next thing you know, they have kind of you know scratched back into the ball game and made it a 5-3 game. And, then, of course, State eventually puts the game away and, and wins going away. Uh, but I really thought there's a, a couple of stories here. Marshall Gilbert, and I asked Chris Lamonis this in postgame, uh, is Marshall Gilbert hitting his way into this lineup? And I, and I think that he is. And I think, you know, State is tinkering a little bit with that DH spot. 
but uh, Marshall Gilbert gets a couple of hits, uh, I guess, on Sunday, and then last night hits the home run and, and uh, really just put the ball in play and made things happen. And uh, he, he was two for three on the night and uh, actually reached on an error another time when he pops up uh, to uh, to the second baseman and they drop it to run score. And so he's putting the ball in play. And when and that's half the battle more times than not. It's just put the ball in play and make the defense make a play. Uh, but I really thought he was kind of the story of the game last night because every time State seemed to make a rally, he was in the middle of it. He opened the scoring with a solo home run, and the next thing you know, he's, his runner's on, he's putting ball in play, and people are, are touching home. But uh, looking through the lineup here, you know, you had, uh, I guess, four guys with two hits last night. Jake Mangum, his, uh, his first hit was a double that tied him for sixth all-time in Mississippi State history with doubles, tied him with John Cohen. And then in his next at-bat, he hits another double that moves him in a tie for fifth all-time with Matthew Maniscalco. And so if you were looking for a Manny reference today, there you have it. But Jake uh, kind of writing his name all over the Mississippi State and the SEC record books. Uh, Jordan Westberg pitches in two hits, scores two runs, three RBIs. Westy's kind of becoming a star, too. He's a star in the making. He really is. And you're beginning to kind of see why Mississippi State recruited him as hard as they did. Uh, very, very, very good get uh, for them. Tanner Allen drives in a couple runs last night on sack flies. Not much to show for it, but uh, hit the baseball hard every time. Uh, that's a guy, too, John Cohen had mentioned, that he really, really recruited hard. So he chased him even to the swamps of Louisiana. And then Tanner Allen commits to Andy Canizaro at LSU. And then when Andy gets a job here, Tanner immediately flips to Mississippi State. Uh, but that's a guy Mississippi State really wanted and uh, didn't win you know, the recruiting battle initially and then kind of get it. And that might be Andy Canizaro's biggest contribution to Mississippi State was Tanner Allen. Uh, Elijah Mack to me last night, one for two. They, they walked him. But I'll tell you, the thing about what I'm seeing with Mack is people are so very careful with him now. And he's being a lot more patient at the plate, not chasing pitches maybe like he did last year, becoming more of a well-rounded hitter. That's really going to serve him well as we get into conference play and see better pitching, being more disciplined at the plate. Uh, Mississippi State tight end Brad Compass got into the game last night, reached on an error, drove in a run in the process, came around to score a run. Uh, I, I've shared it on the Gene Spades message board for those of you that didn't, haven't heard. Compass will take part in spring football at Mississippi State. He will not forego spring practice in lieu of baseball. So he will be a part of the football program that begins on uh, March 5th. So Compass is kind of on loan to Mississippi State baseball. Justin Foscu kind of quietly becoming a, uh, a real weapon for this offense. Hit his third home run of the season last night, and it was an absolute laser. I didn't think it was going to get out. The ball was hit so hard and on the line, I thought it's going off the wall, and it just tucked over the uh, the wall there. But uh, Foscu, great power to the pull side, really, really coming into his own defensively. You know, he, he, he's had a couple of errors here and there, but that's, that's you know, part of early season baseball. But uh, this is a guy that I, I really believe is going to be a double-digit home run guy very quickly. And it's one of those things you look at this lineup and you begin to kind of realize State is making it very difficult to pitch around people. When you've got Foscu hitting behind McNamee, all right, you, you know what, what Mac can do. You know that McNamee can hurt you. And so you, so let's say you navigate through Tanner Allen, you get to McNamee. Well, you can't necessarily pitch around McNamee because now you've got Foscu with power as well. And so Foscu can hurt you, so then you almost you kind of got to pick your poison there. Hayden Jones, DH last night, and um, over 2, but uh, he he's going to do a good job for us. Big night for Rowdy Jordan from a conference standpoint. I thought Rowdy hit the baseball.
probably three out of four at bats, put it in play pretty well, and uh, got a couple of balls to fall. And uh, once Rowdy gets going, we, we we know what to expect from Rowdy. You know, it's like he he's such a competitor. It's just going to take a little while to get him going, and then him getting two hits last night, that's very good for his confidence. Hopefully he'll uh, kind of build on that tonight. JT Ginn did pinch hit for him last night. Man, what a great swing that kid has. It's just a matter of time before he puts a charge into one and and, and, uh, and drives one over the fence. He's got that kind of power. Uh, Landon Jordan started at second base last night. Uh, one for three. Happy to see him get a ball to fall. He's hitting the ball on the screws. Doesn't have a lot to show for it. And, and actually gives way to Gunnar Halter late in the ball game. I think that competition at second is kind of still ongoing. Uh, Landon had a couple balls last night. Arguably could have made those calls. One of them ends up being an error. The other one ruled an infield hit. But, uh, you know, one of those things you look at, he's a, he's a freshman guy. He's going to be a star for us. And uh, he and Gunner kind of platooning some. Gunner had the day off on Sunday. And then Landon got the start last night. Gunner relieves him later in the ball game. Won't be surprised if Gunner's back starting again tonight. I think that's something they'll have to settle before the not, before the SEC play begins. But uh, that competition appears to kind of still be ongoing. Now, looking at pitching last night, uh, Eric Sarantolo was your uh, the winner of the game and uh, comes out very first pitch of the ball game, 96 mile an hour fastball, a little bit up in the zone, but uh, got through it pretty quickly and really went to three innings. But um, you begin to see the raw materials of a future star there. He has a great length. He can change speeds, and he can throw a fastball by you. I was a little surprised that Jackson State put the ball in play the way they did, and it took them a long time before they even hit the ball out of the infield. But uh, they grounded out a lot. And uh, now listen, I want a guy to go pitch to contact, but I did not expect, and all due respect to, to uh, Jackson State, I didn't expect a guy that could consistently throw mid-90s to pitch to contact quite as much as he did. But uh, to their credit, they, they put the ball in play. State uh, made the defense kind of hold up behind him. And so as a result, uh, he gets out of there pretty much unscathed. Uh, you know, three innings pitch, gives up two hits, both of those on the infield, strikes out two, uh, you know, only 39 pitches of action. But uh, really happy with what we see with him. We'll see him emerge, and I, I think he's a weekend starter for you next year. I think he moves into the rotation with Small moving on. We certainly expect him to be drafted very high. But uh, he is a future star for Mississippi State. When you see his makeup and you see him pitch, you see how long he is, and you see how consistently he can throw that fastball in the lower part of the zone, you can see why he's going to be a ground ball machine, he's going to be a strikeout machine, uh, and he already has that curveball to keep hitters off balance. Matter of fact, I know one of the strikeouts that he got was uh, on a curveball looking. Uh, Bryce Brock made his uh, Mississippi State debut last night and uh, really did well. Came in, uh, had a lot of snap to that fastball, and again, pounding the lower half of the zone. Runs out of gas a little bit uh, and uh, and gets tagged for the three runs. He was accountable for those guys, but... Uh, you know, I think it's one of those deals. You go out there, get a little bit juiced up. He has, you know, really got going, and then with two outs, they kind of put a rally together, and uh, we made an error somewhere along the way there. He gets the three runs; only one of those is earned. But uh, like what we saw from him, he's a left-handed pitcher, and you know, you, you never can, can never have enough of those left-handed relievers, guys that can kind of help you through those matchup situations late in ball games. Like what we saw from him. And he's the guy that uh, Chris Lamonis told us opening weekend that he was the one guy he really wanted to get some innings for, and then they didn't last weekend. So we finally see him out there, does a very solid job. Brandon Smith comes in, you're kind of a hidden hero in this team. 
he uh, has already pitched some very, very big innings, and State has kind of thrown him to the fire. Uh, he has come in, you know, with the with the rising tides, if you know what I mean, and uh, comes in last night with the bases loaded, gives up just the one run, not charged to him, uh, but uh, a, a good job. Did the same thing against Southern Miss. Comes in in relief of uh, of of Riley Self. Does a good job. Gets the out of the jam, and so you're beginning to see him emerge as a reliable reliever for this team. Uh, really excited about him, and, and again another young arm. And uh, State throws, you know, four freshmen. Out of five pitchers last night, four freshmen. Tyler Spring comes in, his very first uh, college hitter he faces. He gives up a the uh, double down the left field line, and guy turned on fastball and just pulled it. And then Spring proceeds to strike out the side, and in very impressive fashion. And this is a guy. Listen, saw him a little bit in the fall, but uh, you begin to see that there is something happening with this pitching staff and that you're getting production and you're getting outs from younger guys, and that hadn't always been the case. There were times that we would roll those young guys out there and you'd almost hold your breath. Now it's like, okay, this guy is not throwing strikes. Let's go get the next guy because we know that he will. And uh, so four starting pitch, four freshman pitchers eat up eight innings last night. You bring in Spencer Price in the ninth to allow him to get some work. Uh, Spencer still not where he was, but a lot better where he was. And uh, than where he was last year. Obviously, he's working back from an injury, still trying to find that confidence. Uh, comes in in the ninth, does give up a run. And, and listen, he gave it one ball that was absolutely crushed, absolutely crushed, and uh, th- does come back to strike out a couple of guys. But uh, he is beginning to kind of find it again, and that's big for Mississippi State. And, and the best thing about that is, is when you see all these guys like Brandon Smith and, and Eric Sarantola, and, uh, and, and you know, a veteran like Cole Gordon kind of eat up innings. You don't have to rush Spencer right back out there. Yes, he's a junior. Yes, he's a guy that uh, this could be a big year for him. But at the same time, you don't have to stress him because you've got other arms out there. It wasn't like it was two years ago where we only had, you know, five guys that could throw a pitch. And you had to depend on Cole Gordon and Brant Blaylock and Jake Mangum to, to help you make it through an SEC weekend. You've got the arms now where you can rely on those guys, and you've got depth in the pitching staff, so you don't have to rush Spencer Long. And really the kind of same thing with Riley Self. You know, Riley's not quite there yet, and he'll get there. I've got a lot of confidence in Riley Self, as, as you should as well. He didn't have a great weekend, but we know what to expect. When Riley is healthy, we know what we're going to get from Riley Self. And so he'll, he'll be where he needs to be. So when you begin to look at this, and, and it's easy to talk yourself into good things and bad things early in the season. It's this time last year we were already ready for college baseball to be over uh, or, or getting close. Uh, but my point being is that there are a lot of reasons for optimism right now when you begin to think about Mississippi State baseball and you begin to think about this lineup being more explosive than it was a year ago or two years ago. Kind of reminiscent of that two, 2016 lineup where uh, you really couldn't take it bat off. The, you know, it's one of those things that I have learned about this team is that it's a different guy every night. And I, I read some of this commentary and people say, well, you know, we're giving away too many outs in the lower half. I, I don't know that I agree with that. I think you've got to find a way to kind of solidify some things at second base and probably in that nine hole. Uh, but the bottom line is it's a different guy every night producing something. And there, it's not like guys are down there completely clueless and striking out a lot. Even the guys in the lower half of the order in the lower bottom third, they're putting the ball in play. You're putting a ball in play. It's a matter of time before those balls begin to find some holes. And so baseball sometimes is a game of luck. you got to put it in play and hope for the best. But um, 
State's making good solid contact, which I think says a lot about Jake Gotro. So uh, we'll see how things develop, but uh, excited about things. We'll know we're going to play southeastern Louisiana tonight. Now that team historically has been very good. They're a very good quote mid-major type team that you know they they you generally compete for their conference championship. They're they're actually two and five right now, but they nearly beat LSU here a couple weeks ago. They lose six to five in that ball game. They they have beaten Mississippi State in recent years. So this is not a series, a ball game we look at and say, okay, well, let's just go show up and get ready to go to Frisco, Texas. No, that's that's not the case. Peyton Plumlee is going to start tonight. I'm sure Peyton will go as long as he can. You get five or six innings out of him and then get an inning or two from other guys along the way and, and get out of there with a W and get ready to go to Frisco. Now, State's going to leave Thursday morning for Frisco at 10 a.m. Uh, there are two ball games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I believe State is the early game every day but Saturday. If I'm not mistaken, we are the early game against Sam, Sam Houston State on Friday. It is going to be a cold and wet weekend in Frisco, Texas. Saturday, the night game is Mississippi State-Texas Tech. Texas Tech's playing very, very well. That's going to be a huge, huge, huge ball game. That's one of those RPI-type wins. If you can win that ball game, because I feel like Texas Tech's got a real chance to win their conference. And so you have an opportunity to knock them out early, uh, win that ball game, and JT Gann will be throwing against them. So you feel like you've got a good chance to go out there and have a competitive effort on, on the mound. If you can put the ball in play and find a way to win that one, that's huge. Then you get Nebraska on Sunday. Now, we've got a pretty good getaway time. I think we're 11 a.m. on Sunday. But nevertheless, it is a big weekend for Mississippi State, and uh, we have an opportunity to go ahead and, and find double-digit wins by the end of this week. That's big and early going. If State can find a way to win all all three games this weekend, I think you've got a real opportunity to move into the top ten in all polls. Think there's any question? A lot of people very very high on this Texas Tech team. They're going to swing the bats. I kind of prefer to play them in a cold weather game rather than wait and play them in June. Uh, but I believe State's got a real opportunity this weekend. We're going to learn a lot about our baseball team this weekend. Going to learn a lot about them because uh, you're going to see kind of a step up in competition. Sam Houston State, I understand, has some good arms. They can pitch it a little bit. They've struggled a little bit, kind of a tough stretcher. They got beat by Texas, and they play TCU tonight, and then they'll play Mississippi State on, on Friday. And so kind of a tough stretch for Sam Houston State. You know, you know, Nebraska's kind of a, you know, they're a decent team from a uh, you know Power 5 conference, but not necessarily a baseball power. They have had some, uh, some good seasons. They have been a better team uh, the past 20 years or so. But all that said, I, I, you know, that, that's, those are games I expect to win. You know, I think when you look at where Mississippi State is from a talent standpoint, you feel like you should be able to win uh, at least two or three of those games. And if you can get Texas Tech, possibly get all three. But that's the thing about baseball. As Ron Polk told me recently, nobody ever mentions the word upset in baseball. It just never happens because everybody has a good day and everybody has a good pitcher. So we'll see what happens. But today it's about Southeastern. So State needs to go take care of business and get a good effort out of Peyton Plumlee and kind of keep this offense rolling. I suspect we'll see a little, little better pitching tonight than we saw last night. But uh, the bottom line is it's about at-bats, it's about reps, and it's about getting ready. Other big news in football, Mississippi State uh, will allow us to meet with many of the new coaches today, so we'll have full coverage of that on jeanspage.com. We'll, uh, we'll have an opportunity to interview the, the, uh, the newly hired assistants. The one new assistant we won't get to see today, while it hasn't been officially announced, we expect it to happen at some point very, very quickly, kind of unofficially confirmed, that uh, Chris Marv from Vanderbilt will be taking over as a linebacker coach at Mississippi State in place of Tim Lukabu. Coach Lukabu leaving the program to return to the National Football League. Uh, not totally unexpected, but I will say I thought once we got through 
the interviews of January that we probably had escaped the, the coaching carousel for another year. But uh, Luca Boo gets a late call from, uh, I think, the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe is what I heard. Uh, and so he's moving on. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that, and this is one of the things that I don't understand, is a lot of people claim that they love Mississippi State, they want Mississippi State to be successful. But when something happens, we blame Mississippi State first. I, I don't I don't fully appreciate that. Here's the situation. Uh, Tim Lukabu did a great job coaching our linebackers. He did not do a great job recruiting our linebackers. Okay, We uh, had a couple blue-chip guys within the state, didn't get an official visit from either one of them. And so, and to be fair to Tim, you know, he he's kind of going and showing up in, uh, you know, last year and having to kind of play from behind already and to try to build these relationships with guys. And so I'm not making excuses for him, but, uh, you know, these many of these coaches have been recruiting to Kobe Dean, you know, for a couple of years. So then you show up and say, well, hey, I'm the new guy here, and I've, I've, I've never coached in this league, but I, but I like you a lot, and I want you to come be a part of this. And so, but the reality of the situation is, is we had two blue chip linebackers in the state of Mississippi. We didn't even get an official visit from either one of them. So that's part of the deal. So one of the things that I have learned is there are some people that that are really committed to being miserable. And what I mean by that is the same people that panned the hire that said we should never have hired Luke Getze or Tim Lukabu or any of these people that, that have never recruited uh, in the Southeastern Conference. We should never have hired those people. Many of those people now are, are, are being critical and saying, well, I don't understand why we can't keep anybody. Well, listen, you can't have it both ways. You can't say we shouldn't have hired the guy in the first place and then be upset when he's gone. And again, there's just, I just want to say rest your insecurity somewhere else because Joe Moorhead is doing what needs to be done. What, and let's just go ahead and take an inventory here, okay? Mark Hudspeth leaves. Love HUD. Absolutely wish the best for HUD. He's a head coach. He came to Mississippi State. It's kind of a reboot for his career. But he had he had no intentions of staying here long term as an assistant coach. I and mean, I know Mark wants to run his own show. He really always has. He's been very successful. So I don't fault Mark Hudspeth, number one, for coming. I also don't fault Mark Hudspeth for leaving. I have no ill will towards Mark Hudspeth. I hope he goes to Austin P and wins an FCS national championship. And I hope he finds his way back into Division One. I, I, I hope, wish nothing but the best for Mark Hudspeth. But you, Mark leaves, and you replace him with Tony Hughes. And listen, I believe Tony Hughes is a better recruiter than Mark Hudspeth. Now, I will say this. Mark Hudspeth worked very hard this year as a recruiter at Mississippi State. He, I, he, he surprised me. He really did. Not because I didn't think he had the ability, but I thought, you know what, this is a guy that sat behind the big desk here for the last several seasons as a head coach at UL Lafayette. And, you know, maybe he's not ready to go out there and beat the bushes again. But he did. He did a great job for us. He, he really, really did, did a great job evaluating. Uh, got guys on campus to come visit. You know, there was even a time there when people thought we had no chance to get Dennis Jackson, which ultimately we did not. But, uh, but Mark gets him on campus, and we eventually get him committed for a short time. And so Mark put in the effort. But Tony Hughes, I believe, is a better recruiter all around. He may not be the same coach Mark Hutzpah is, but I believe Tony is a better recruiter. And I think at the tight end position, that's primarily a recruiting position. So you make a move there. Well, then Luke Getze. Luke Getze's announced that he's leaving, going back to the NFL. And again, it's kind of a similar situation with Tim Lukabu. If you bring in guys that know football, but maybe don't know Power 5 or SEC recruiting, it's a real gamble. It is. 
But Joe did what all of us would do. When faced with a major hire, a major job, you're given a huge opportunity to run a team, whether it be sports or otherwise. And uh, it's going to be a very visible job and going to be a lot of money invested in your success. You are going to go out and hire people that you trust. You're going to hire people you have a comfort level that will allow you to be successful. So initially, that's what Jim Moorhead did. Joe went and hired people that he knew, that knew him, that he could come in and instill his system and install what he wanted to do and uh, kind of begin to put his footprints on Mississippi State football. And then guys get here and they realize that, you know, you know maybe, maybe this isn't, isn't the right fit for me. And that's okay. There's no hard feelings. I think Luke Getzey and Tim Lukeaboo are outstanding people. I think they're outstanding football coaches. I don't think they're great recruiters. And I think they would admit that probably privately. I think they enjoy coaching football. I don't think they enjoy calling teenagers. So Luke gets, he leaves, and then immediately we hire Michael Johnson. It's an absolute home run hire. It's not to say that Michael Johnson's a better coach than Luke Getze, because I don't know that. But I know he's a more accomplished college coach than Luke Getze, and so you, you have an upgrade there. You've brought in a guy that is recruited at a high level, in multiple locations. You have a guy that's been an offensive coordinator at the NFL, and a guy that's been an offensive coordinator at UCLA. This is a guy that understands college football and what it takes to, to move the chains. And so you, in that respect, you've upgraded over, over HUD. You've upgraded over Lugetsi. Well, then Charles Huff leaves. And uh, Charles Huff comes in with a, you know, with a, with a lot of hype. He's going to be our big game hunter. He's going to be a great recruiter for us. He's going to develop this. This is a guy that coached Saquon Barkley. And, and, and listen, in hindsight, uh, we did not get what we were promised. And when you begin to kind of look at these things, and I'm not going to be critical of guys that sign with Mississippi State, but uh, we did not go out and get a difference maker at running back. We got some developmental guy. We got a depth guy and a developmental guy. But we did not go out and get a difference maker at running back. And that was Charles Huff's job. And then you look at the running – when you look at our running backs, do you feel as a group that they advanced? I don't believe they did. I think Colin Hill showed some real flashes, especially when he was healthy. But we expected that anyway. We expected Colin Hill to be a very good running back as a sophomore. So I don't know that if we get enough juice for our squeeze for Charles Huff. And listen, I like Huff. I think Huff is a very intelligent person. I think, he's, I think he sells himself very well. I think he promotes himself very well. But I don't know that uh, in year one under Hoff that we, you know, we got maybe what was advertised. Now, to again, to be fair to him, he comes in operating from behind. You know, he comes in and recruits a territory he's not quite as familiar with. It's been a while since he had recruited the Southeast. But he comes in and, and has to kind of play catch up. And then, uh, you know, we don't really get what we had hoped out of Charles Huff. He leaves and goes to Alabama. Well, then you go hire Terry Richardson. And the jury's out, obviously. This is a guy who was at UConn. But if you look at the production of the running backs at UConn, even on bad teams, they're a very productive group. They put guys in the NFL. Terry's another guy, very, very well-traveled. Been in Miami, been in Florida, been in the NFL. This is a guy that's very used to recruiting the Southeast. Very, very connected in the state of Florida. And so, at worst, I think you can say that's probably a push. But I think in hindsight, one day we're going to look back and say, you know what? We got the better end of that deal. We got the better end of the deal. Brian Baker leaves, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know that we have it, had a better position coach 
than Brian Baker. And what I mean by that is, not necessarily as a recruiter, but as a guy that coached technique and a guy that managed his room and a guy that got a lot of value out of his personnel group, I don't know we had anybody do a better job than Brian Baker. And there were a lot of people when we hired Brian Baker. People said, I cannot believe we hired a guy from the high school ranks. Are you kidding me? And it took Brian a year or two to get better. It took Brian a year or two to kind of get back in the swing of things. And, and he said it in the beginning, you know, he, he had to go get a Twitter, you know, because that's where the kids were. But Brian was not a great recruiter. Great coach, pretty good recruiter. And as a good friend of my, uh, mine mentioned last night, he goes, you know, it's amazing how much better Brian Baker got to be as a coach when he had Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons to coach. And so there's a trade-off in that respect, too. Because I don't know that we got the value out of, uh, you know, maybe you know Nelson Adams and uh, A.J. Jefferson and those guys. You know, it's, it's kind of incredible what happened when, uh, you know, you had some guys that had NFL measurables uh, playing those positions. And so to, to be fair to Brian Baker, you know, he – uh, kind of inherited some talent that uh, had an opportunity to be big-time players, but he made the most of those opportunities. you got to give him credit for developing those guys. And so you bring in Deke Adams, and so I believe Deke Adams is a better recruiter. I don't know if he's a better coach yet. The jury is out on that. But I think when you look at the fact that uh, you know, Brian Baker moves on, then you've got to go out there and find somebody that's a suitable replacement. You go get a guy that uh, has coached collegiately around the southeast, a guy that is recruited in Mississippi, a guy from Meridian, Mississippi. He knows our state, and our state knows him. And so while that may not technically be an upgrade, I think it is the best opportunity and the best candidate you possibly could have gotten at that point uh, to come in and do a good job for you. And so you might want to call that a push, but it's certainly not a step in the wrong direction. And I think as a recruiter, you've taken a step forward in that respect. And then we get to the situation here where you bring in Chris Marv, and uh, anybody that has been around Chris Marvel will tell you he is a rising star in the coaching profession a guy that uh, played with and was a GA under uh, Bob Shoup played for pardon me it's been a while since Bob uh, suited up with helmet on but this is Bob Shoup's guy and so Bob you know it's not official yet but we expect it to be any moment now or any day now but, uh, but Marv uh, understand has verbally accepted the, the position in Mississippi State and so you go out and you get a guy from Memphis that is familiar with recruiting in the Southeast, a guy that is familiar with coaching against Southeastern Conference teams. And uh, that's an upgrade. And, and, again, that's no slight to Tim Lukabu. I think it's just a better fit for him in the National Football League. But when you have a guy that played in this league, he's not intimidated by the arenas, he's coached in this league, he's coached against teams in this conference, he's recruited against them, uh, you've got to feel good about that. And so there are so many people that say, well, I don't understand why all these guys are leaving. You didn't want them hired in the first place. So why are you upset that they're leaving and being replaced with guys that are probably a better fit uh, for Mississippi State? And again, no ill will towards any of these guys that leave. Everybody that comes here makes a contribution to Mississippi State. Uh, I'm very grateful to those people. And I'll share with you this a little personal thing. So this morning I get up and, um, and I check the phone like everybody else. And uh, lo and behold, I've got a message from Tim Lukabu, you know, saying, hey, Steve, best of luck with everything. Uh, thanks for your support and your coverage while I was here. Appreciate all your kind words to my family. Now, Tim owes me nothing. That He does not owe me that. Got, got a similar message from Luke Getze when he left. Got a similar message from Mark Hudspeth and his wife when they left. Just good people. And so when these people leave here, I see no need to trash them. But at the same time, we're going onwards and upwards. And uh, Jim Moorhead should be commended for the fact that, yes, these opportunities have arisen, and rather than him going out and kind of hiring in the same 
vein that he did in year one, he has gone out and adjusted and, and I believe brought in better recruiters. And so if we're going to be critical of Joe for hiring those guys in the first place, then let's be let's be somewhat praise happy about giving him credit for replacing those guys that are better suited to coaching the Southeastern Conference. And so we can't, again, have it both ways. But there are some people that are so committed to being miserable, they're going to fall fault, fault in everything we do. And uh, I remember yesterday when Jackson State had kind of pulled close, I began to see this stuff on social media. People are already forecasting failure. It's a long ball game. It's a long season. Uh, it's a long career. And so it took Dan Mullen a while to get it right, too. It took Dan Mullen a long time to kind of figure some things out. And you remember how much better we were in 2010 than in 2009. We went through some coaching changes after the 09 season, if you recall, as well. Not as many. But when Dan Mullen got the job at Mississippi State, Dan didn't really know anybody. I mean, that's the reality of things. You know, Dan wasn't going to be able to gut Urban Meyer staff. And so Dan had to kind of piece this thing together. We seen kind of a similar thing with Joe. Joe brought in a lot of guys that he knew, but he also brought in some guys he didn't know. Well, now you've got some guys here that uh, have connections with you and have a relationship with you. And I think, listen, I, if I had to call it today, I think this staff – the 2019 Mississippi State coaching staff today on paper is markedly better than the one we had in 2018. And we'll see what happens. We'll see how they develop. But uh, I am excited about the hires, and I wish those guys, well, the ones that have left us, absolutely wish them nothing but the best, except for those guys that went to Alabama. I, I, I hope that they, they do very well personally. I don't really care if they do well professionally because I, I hope that Mississippi State absolutely trounces them when we play them. It's something personal. It's just that I want to be Alabama. It's just that my dog in the fight is maroon and white. Uh, and so I encourage you to be supportive of these uh, coaching hires, and uh, we'll be on the road here pretty soon, headed up to the SEAL Center to, uh, to get some information so you can kind of get the reaction from you know, Michael Johnson and, and Tony Hughes and Deke Adams and, and Terry Richardson and hear them talk about uh, Mississippi State. And uh, we'll have that on Gene's page here the next couple of days, and uh, look forward to uh, you guys hanging with there. We'll see you at the ballpark tonight at Dirty Noble Field, 5:30 first pitch as Bulldogs take on Southeastern Louisiana. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.